The text this evening is found in Psalm 119. I'll read verses 9 through 16. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It is an acrostic psalm, so it's made up of the 22 letters, the alphabet of the ancient Hebrew language. It's set to stanzas of eight verses each, so it has 176 verses. By verse count, Psalm 119 is larger than 31 books in the Bible, 14 in the Old Testament and 17 in the New Testament. That's nearly half of the Bible. Most scholars identify the possibility of four different writers David, Ezra, Daniel, and Jeremiah. And a strong case can be made for each of them. They all suffered serious difficulties in their life. They suffered betrayal, persecution, and affliction all while serving the Lord and honoring and doing their best to keep his word. And this is noted Uh, throughout this psalm. In the psalm itself, there are 10 different terms used to reference the word of God. Law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, word, way, truth, and ordinances. In the stanza, the eight verses that I read, seven of those references to the word of God are used. The general theme of Psalm 119 in one sentence has been said to be abiding in God's word. It is not possible to overstate the value of God's word. You can see here, almost exactly in the middle of the Bible, the longest chapter is devoted to the word of God. 
Throughout it, it denotes the importance of God's word in every aspect of our life. We know in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that we're told that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That means the word of God is alive and it's powerful and it penetrates. And so it's not surprising that the psalmist here in consideration of the great power and value of God's word in verse 11 said, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We hide something when it's of value. We hide it to protect it or not to lose it. Rodika and I will sometimes, if we have some extra cash or a gift card or maybe a gift certificate, something like that of value, we'll hide it. We'll maybe put it in an envelope and rather than putting it in the bank or in our safe at home, we'll think, well, we're just going to put this away for a rainy day. So maybe she'll say, well, I'll put this under the organizer in my nightstand or under this basket uh, in our closet. Well, that's good until later, maybe when we're looking for it. And maybe I'll say something now. Now, where did you put that? And I'll get a, no, I thought you. And Well, in the end, we'll agree that we hit it well. Well, this is not what the psalmist was meaning by hiding God's word in our heart. God understands when it comes to remembering something, something that is vitally important that he has for you and me, that he wants us to with all seriousness, dwell on it. Keep it within us. Remember it with a willingness to apply it. And that's why he had Moses instruct the people when it came to God's word this way, as found in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 to 20. He said, therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes and ye shall teach them your children speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way when thou liest down when thou risest up and thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house and upon thy gates. God wants us to value his word, to hide it in our hearts, to protect it so that it's accessible to us when we need it. Now consider if when Rodika and I decided to hide that valuable thing of before I went to bed, Radika says, now remember, I 
put that here. And then when we got up in the morning, I said, remember, Rodika, we, we put that right here. And then my, maybe while we walked to work, we talked about where we put it. Maybe at dinner, we rehearsed it again and kept repeating that. Uh, we wouldn't forget where it was. Well, the, the psalmist here, he said, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You see, he realized that there was value in protecting God's word. By placing it in his heart, so there it would be to protect him from sin and the consequences of sin. James 1.21 tells us that we are to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Here that engrafted word has a, a twofold meaning to it. Engrafted meaning that it's implanted in our hearts at regeneration when we're saved. But also it continues to be there by the habit of reading God's word. The habit of continuing in God's word. The best way to protect it, the best way to guard it then, the best way to strengthen it is to continue to add to it. This isn't something that we do one time and protect that one thing. No, we continue to read God's word with a willingness to do our best to understand it, to apply it. And I would tell you that is really why you want to take full advantage of our Daybreak and our Discovery series. What an opportunity that we have right there to constructively add God's word to our heart in a way that's meaningful, in a way that's applicable, in a way that's memorable. And we can see the importance why God wants his word to be memorable. This is why to his people, uh, he would give them uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, a psalm like Psalm 119, so very long, yet it was done to be sung as a poem, as an acrostic. He did everything that he could to make that psalm memorable to them. And that is the way it works for us, simply by being the inspired word of God. When we read it, it registers to our heart. And there are sections of God's word that we can read repeatedly over the years and yet read them tomorrow. And something from that will jump out at you because it's alive. It still penetrates. It's powerful. And you will go through a day meditating upon it. To quantify the 
benefits of hiding God's word in our hearts is simply something that's uh, impossible because we could never from a pulpit or from teaching classes adequately state uh, all the benefits that that we derive uh, from the word of God. But just to consider this, just to take a little portion of it, we'll look at Hebrews 13, 5. Now this is just considering a little portion of God's word and the value of hiding it in our heart. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now that's a good scripture to hide in your heart. To tuck it right in there and to remember what God's word has promised you. Now it says again in this verse, it says, for he hath said. This wasn't the first time. That's referencing four areas of the Old Testament. The first is in Genesis chapter 28. Verse 15, when Jacob pillowed his head on some rocks one night and saw a ladder up into heaven, and God spoke to him that night at Bethel, and he said this, And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places, whether thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to the of. He gave Jacob a promise. A promise that had been given to his grandfather Abraham very personally, later given to his father Isaac. But for Jacob that night, there was that promise. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It, it was personal. It was for Jacob, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, this was Moses speaking to the people before they were to go in and conquer the promised land. He told them, be strong and of a good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Here they were at the precipice of entering into the promise of God. They had a tremendous task before them. And here is God letting them know, I'm not going to fail you. I am not going to forsake you. Isn't it wonderful that, that God sees our challenges, sees our difficulties, uh, sees those things that to us are, are too great to understand how they could possibly be conquered 
And yet there he is. Fear not. I will not leave thee. I will not forsake thee. And in fact, two verses later in Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, Moses then gives the same promise to Joshua. But better for Joshua was what you find in Joshua 1, 5, because that was God giving this promise to Joshua when he said, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Could you imagine being Joshua following a man like Moses who had been such a tremendous leader, a man who had gone into the presence of God, came back with the Ten Commandments, uh, took the children of Israel 40 years through the desert, uh, was God's instrument in supplying for their need. Now Moses was gone and it was his job to lead him into the promised land. Oh, what a wonderful God that we serve. Uh, he wasn't telling Joshua, you have to do this on uh, your own. And that's what he's telling you and me. Uh, we don't have to serve God on our own. We don't have to wonder how we're going to navigate the challenges and the problems that may come before us. We have that promise, just like what was given to Joshua, that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. And then in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20, when David was giving charge uh, to Solomon, He told him, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Solomon was getting a personal testimony from his father David. David could look back over his life. Of course, uh, he said in Psalm 37, I have been young and now I'm old. And yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor is he begging bread? Solomon, you can be sure of one thing. God is going to be with you. He will not leave you and he's not going to forsake you. I know this. This is the Lord God. He said, even my God, I have experienced it. And this is why uh, the writer of Hebrews could tell the early church and a message that comes down to you and me that we don't have to worry about the promises of God or God's uh, ability to take care of us as we do our best to serve him. He is not going to leave us and he's not going uh, to forsake us. We take a verse like that and we hide it in our hearts. You may have a, a time in your life come up where you go through a dry period. You just can't seem uh, to feel the presence of God. It seems to be so distant. You, you, you begin to wonder. 
But yet when you hide a verse like this in your heart and you can say, but wait a minute, he's promised to never leave me nor forsake me. Oh, what a comfort that is. And maybe the devil, who's the accuser of the brethren, is trying to tell you, no, the Lord has left you. You did this, you did that. When you've hidden that word in your heart, you can tell the accuser, no, he promised to be with me always. Even till the end of the world, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. That's why we want to hide God's word deep in our heart. That's the word that we take with us when we go to school. And we wonder, can I serve God in this place, in this environment? Yes. Because he promised he would never leave me nor forsake me. Can I serve him at this job where I'm surrounded by ungodly people? Yes. Because he said he would never leave me nor forsake me. And again, that's just one small promise. Hiding a part of a verse in God's word in our heart. And how many more promises do we have there that we can draw from in our time of need? And hiding God's word in our heart doesn't just provide us with a ready resource. It's also there as a a treasure. When you walk with the Lord and, and that word dwells in you richly you begin to enjoy the treasure that the word of God is Uh, the psalmist again here in Psalm 119 verses 14 to 16 said I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. This was written by one who had experienced difficulties in life. But in those difficulties, he knew that he had a treasure that the world could simply not take away. It was something that maybe for Jeremiah down in that miry pit, he could begin with delight to recall the word of God and draw encouragement and strength from it. Maybe Daniel, as he spent that night in a lion's den, was there, but yet he had a treasure of the word of God in his heart. David, when he had to face that giant, understood, no, this is against the word of God, for this is the people of God. And that's why he did not fear going out against that giant. That's what the word of God 
does for us when we allow it to dwell in us richly. Hiding God's word in our heart also opens the door to the promises found in the Bible. Psalm, again, 119, verses 9 and 10 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. We hide God's word in our heart. We treasure God's word. And and then the Holy Spirit is able to bring those scriptures that support the promises of God, the things that we're seeking after. He said, how is a young man going to cleanse his way? You put the word of God in your heart and that will draw a walk of holiness from you. You put the word of God in your heart and you'll understand there's there's a commandment that we are to be sanctified, holy, entirely. And because we love God's word, we want to follow those commandments. And the psalmist went on, of course, later to write in Psalm 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Hiding God's word in our hearts provides us with the guidance that we need today. We are navigating a dark world for sure, and one that gets increasingly more dangerous by the day. So much more, we need the light of God's word to guide us in the path that God has for us. And thank God, his word is still available here tonight. And we have a privilege each time we come into God's house. And we don't come here to become more knowledgeable in God's word. No, we don't want to be hearers only. We want to be doers of God's word. We get it into our heart by taking it and applying it. And as we do that, we grow in the grace of God. And that's what God wants to do for us tonight. We're going to have an opportunity to pray. And as you come and you say, Lord, I want that word hidden deep in my heart. You're going to find the Holy Spirit begin to draw those words out at the place of prayer and help you in those needs that you have, those promises that you have yet to receive. God wants to give those to you tonight. The song 657 and the altars of prayer are open.